Well, good morning. Welcome to the firehouse again. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. So excited to have you today and to get rolling. Um, it's been a uh, kind of wild adventure the last few months here, venturing into the land of home ownership for Sarah and I. We're finding some new phenomenons. Like you don't just have a project; it's just like ongoing projects everywhere that go on forever. Also starting to figure out that now we went from an apartment to a house and so there's a dynamic where we can both be home and doing something and not see each other. There's a yard so one person can be outside and inside. Um, It's not just yelling across the apartment anymore so we're dealing with some changes but God's blessed it. It's been wonderful to be there and glad you helped with move-in and some other projects on the way there so we're thankful. Well, we are trucking along in Nehemiah still. We're nearing the end. There's only 13 chapters, and we're on 12 now. So do the math. We're getting there. But it's been a good it's been a good time through this, and uh, I trust God will continue to speak to us, particularly as it relates to to our building project, as it relates to just applying faith going forward in the church and different things. Why don't we pray, and we'll jump in the Word here. God, we thank you for today. And we thank you um, just for speaking to us as a church, for leading us as a church. You've blessed us so much. Um, God, a lot of today looks at how we should maybe respond back to you. We pray that we'd have a right heart towards you. You teach us how to, how to worship you, how to respond to you. Help us be honored to you. God, help us each have a heart today um, that's fresh and ready to hear from you. God, I agree with prayer as a Christian that you'd really help us be ready to respond. God, I think you speak to us a lot. Usually the problem is that we have bad soil for a heart that doesn't want to change. And I pray you'd speak to us through your word and your spirit. Um, God, tune me out and really speak through your word. And uh, speak to each of our hearts and help us obey today. Amen. All right. If you want to open up your Bible, we are in Nehemiah 12. I didn't look up a page number. So, 484. All right. If you're doing the math at home, we skipped a couple. We're going to skip about a chapter and a half of of Nehemiah here. Uh, 11, maybe the first half of 12 here. Uh, It talks about... Some of the people that came back to live in Jerusalem, some of the priests and Levites that took ownership and started leading there as they started. Wonderful men that were obeying God, but it's a lot of names for a chapter and a half, so we're going to leave it at that for that section and jump back in halfway through 12 here. So we're going to start at verse 27. This is on page 485 there, and we'll read to the end, and hopefully God will speak to us a few things here. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers also brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages and the Tesselites, from Beth Gilgal, from the Sea of Jeba, and Asmaveth, and for the singers that had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. 
I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the Dungate. Hushiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some of the priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zechur, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Meliah, Giliah, Maiah, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanan with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra the scribe led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent of the wall and passed above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people, past the tower of ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshaniah gate, the fish gate, the tower of Haniel, and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, and at the gate of the guard they stopped. The two choirs gave thanks and took their place in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials as well as the priests. Eliakim, Mishaiah, Meninimum, Micaiah, Elianoi, Zechariah, and Haniah with their trumpets, and also Mishaiah, Shemaniah, Elizar, Uzai, Jehovahanan, Melchizedek, Elam, and Ezer. The choir sang under the direction of Jezrehiah. On that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing, because God had given them great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard from afar. At that time the men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits, and tithes. From the fields around the towns they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministry and priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as also did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there have been directors for the singers and for the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed to the daily portions for the singers and gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion from the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. Whew! Made it through. A few names. Well, I'm excited to teach on this chapter today because in a lot of ways, this is a celebration of what we've been talking about through Nehemiah. It's a time where they worship God, where they were celebrating. The wall has been constructed. God has done a lot of work. And it's a fun chapter just to see how God had worked and really blessed them. Before we get into any of the points, we're going to take just a look back at a few verses uh, along the way of just some things God did to get them to this point. If you want to turn, turn back to the very start to Nehemiah 1 there. We'll just review a few things along the way that we taught on back. But in Nehemiah 1, verse 3, 
It says, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And it talks about Nehemiah's prayer there. We talked about this whole chapter opens with Nehemiah coming back to Jerusalem and he sees that the town has been destroyed. The walls to protect them from their enemies are on the ground. God's people are kind of a laughing stock at this point because what they had built had been torn down. And he was concerned about God's city, about God getting glory from his people being strong, from their walls being up, from temples. So he mourned and wept before God. And he asked, he asked God that they let them rebuild the wall. He was concerned about God's business and really asked of God. And so they go through, obviously we went through, they go through a process of um, getting help from some of the governors of the land to support it, to let them start building, to get passage through their lands, to um, even let Nehemiah go back and really work on this. He gets permission and God comes through. And as they get started, if you want to turn the page to chapter 4, we remember that there was some opposition and mocking along the way of the work God started to do. Uh, in chapter 4, right at the start, it says, When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Amorite, who is at his side, says, What they are building, if even a fox climbs on it, he would break down their walls of stone. Their enemies were mocking them that if one fox jumped on their wall, it would just crumble to the ground. Um, And they kept working, they kept working through this, just to see God come through. And it's exciting as as we look to this point that um, if you want to turn back to, to Nehemiah 12 here, where we start the start of this section, if we look at verse 31, this kind of starting the worship session of what God had done in the end. Uh, verse 31 says, I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed to the top of the wall to the right, toward the dung gate, and talks about the other ones going another way. Um, but Nehemiah, they actually commission the people to get up on the wall. They have all the leaders walking around the whole length of the wall. They get two whole choirs on top of the wall dancing around it and singing. And it talks about how they have instruments and they have cymbals and they talk about having the instruments of David, whatever those were. But obviously David did a lot of worshiping too and was known as a man that was even called foolish for the amount of worship he did. They're having a worship session right on top of the wall that God had built. Um, the first point up here when I looked at that is that we serve a God who comes through and answers our prayers Um, I would just encourage how God came through and answered in the midst of a tough situation that they were just getting started that they were actually holding on to spears as they built because they were afraid of people tearing them down God answered their prayers and came through and I was just remembering our church that God really is a God that's come through for us 
in the same way. We serve a God that's come through in our prayers as a church. Um, I was just trying to think of some things God answered, and I felt a little bit like at the end of John, at the, the last verse talks about um, that not everything Jesus did was written down, because if it was written down, that there wouldn't be room in books to have it all written. And I felt like if we talked about all that God had answered us as a church, it would be a real long sermon, and it would go four hours. But I felt kind of that same heart, that there wouldn't be room. Um, I was just thinking of one verse that I think we're really holding on to as a, as a unit. Even back in our first our first summer together, we did an infusion project. I was thinking of a verse God really um, has come through on and is still answering. Um, I know a verse we were trusting that summer. The first summer we were together, we had a team of about 20 people living in an apartment complex, and we were just scouting the land thinking, does God want us to have a church here? Um, is God moving that we should move down here and trust Him to, to have a church in downtown Denver? And a verse we were holding on to is in Psalm 91. And uh, I'm sorry, verse 90 potentially. Verse 90, um, it said, verse 17 says, May the favor of our Lord God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I remember just praying that verse as a just kind of a temporary little team down in an apartment for a summer seeing, God, do you want a church here? Um, it just felt temporary in a way. We were here for a summer. We were trying to reach a few people with the gospel and we were just praying that God would establish a work of His hands, establish the work of our hands, even as it related to having a church. And I felt like I was just remembering that as one verse God has really answered us as a church, just establishing that there's a church that God blessed for the work of our hands, really the work of His hands through us, but just to praise God, and I just felt like that was a verse kind of like putting up the wall around Nehemiah, that God had established us in one sense. I don't think God's done with us as far as answering prayers. I think there's a lot of work to go. Um, I was thinking about our warehouse project, kind of as we've been talking about it as it related to Nehemiah and looking through it. And we're looking forward to God answering a lot of prayers in the future, and we're putting a lot in that we're trusting Him for now. I think kind of like they were dancing and singing praises on top of the wall. I think we look forward to having a worship service inside inside a warehouse. Uh, we look forward to God just blessing that. Even getting a permit this week we're talking about. We're just praying that God would let the city sign off on it and, and let us get started on the work. And eventually we're just trusting that God would finish the work in there and let us move in and have a church service. And um, like Nehemiah and some of the mocking he heard, we've heard you know, all the mocking from people around us, whether it was five years ago when we were thinking about starting a church or today, people would say, how can you have a church downtown? You know, what younger people, this generation isn't interested in church. You should do it with people that are a generation before. It's phasing out. Why are you targeting those people? Even now we've been hearing things like, how can you have church in a warehouse? You're supposed to get a church building. Even the city was kind of, at times, not understanding what we were trying to do and kind of laughing at us. You know, I don't understand why you'd use a warehouse for a church. It doesn't make sense. You're trying to get around code and you're really going to convert the whole thing to something you're not saying. Um, 
I think in a lot of ways, those are some of the things we've heard, but God's come through and established a church in the downtown, showing that, you know, a lot of people said you have to do a church in the suburbs to have a church, and you have to get out of downtown. And I think God's really established us and answered our prayers over the top of that. And we look forward to even God answering our prayers as far as it goes to the warehouse. You know, just thinking that we do serve a God that comes through and answers our prayers. We look forward to see how He's going to bless down the road. And even we keep praying for more church plants coming out of this. We were able to send some people to, to Manhattan, Kansas, to help start a church out there. And we look forward, Lord willing, to send more churches out to be a church that sends. And, um, and we believe God's going to answer our prayers. Keep praying with us. And um, God's a God that's going to come through and, and answer. So it talks about God's great victory here. And a little bit what comes after this is their, their response. Now that God's done this, what are they doing that this wall is built? Like I said, this chapter is kind of a celebration. It highlights how they celebrated. And they have kind of a worship session here. Obviously, we talked about that there was choirs on top of the wall and people were singing. But before they start singing, we're going to back up a verse, but um, they get themselves ready, ready to sing. They get the wall ready. And verse 30, for Nehemiah 12 still, maybe hope you have a finger there after all the flipping around. Um, verse 30 says, When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. It talks about how they went through their ritual cleansing ceremonies and purification to start the worship session, to start worshiping God. And you know, the point here, number two, is that we need to purify ourselves to worship the living God. And we'll talk about a few things, maybe a little different now, than their ceremonies. Um, I'm figuring if they're talking about purifying themselves ceremonially, it's going to involve a lot of... Um, slaughtering animals in place of their sin and blood and um, ceremonies that God had set up. And um, We have a little different way of analysis. We're going to look at a few verses, but I think that same thing relates, that they purified themselves to enter into God's presence to worship Him. Um, I'm going to read a verse here in Hebrews. kind of talks about some of the difference in how Jesus was like a sacrifice for us. Um, It talks about if those sacrifices of the temple were cleansing to them, that they could enter into the presence of God. How does Jesus relate? Uh, Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more then would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself, unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So saying if those animals that were sacrificed cleanse people that they could enter into worship God, how much more us if Jesus has died for us that we may enter His presence and be cleansed from our sins. 
Um, so Jesus was a sacrifice that lets us enter into his presence in the first place. That one difference is that we don't necessarily need all those sacrifices to enter, but we need to be um, right with God. We need to accept his sacrifice as a gift for us that we may enter into his presence. That it was one sacrifice that ended all of them. Um, another way uh, the Bible talks about how we can... Um, how we can enter in and worship God and be purified. There's a few things, there's a few commands kind of in the New Testament that I thought related to this concept of, of purifying ourselves to worship God. In Matthew 5, it talks about this. Sorry to kind of jump all over on you, but we'll look at a few verses to bring clarity from what Jesus taught kind of on the same topic. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 talks about when we do go to worship, what are some things we can look at in our heart to deal with before we do it? Um, Matthew 5, 23 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. I'm saying if you come in to worship, to make an offering to God, and you realize there's some there's some sin you haven't dealt with, a lot of our sin is with one another. If you've offended someone, if someone's offended with you, first go deal with it, then worship God. And the overall concept is that we need to deal with our sin before worshiping. You know, I think a lot of times as a, as a young believer, I'd be in sin and not honoring God, and I'd come to church, I'd come to worship, and I'd hope that that'd kind of get me out of a funk. Like if I'd just come and I'd sing a few songs and, and Christian would be up here leading, then I'd, uh, it would kind of improve things. I'd be back with God because I sang worship songs for 20 minutes. But we need to deal with our sin and then come worship. That doesn't get us out of it. God wants us to... He says, first, go be reconciled with your brother. First, deal with sin. First, ask for forgiveness if you need to. Um, then come worship. First talk to God and repent for your sin and change your mind. Then come worship. Um, so just like bef- they would do all those sacrifices before, there's a way we need to ready our heart and, and deal with our sin and then come into God's presence. Now I know a lot of times Jeremy and Christian, as we start worship, have us pray for a minute or two and just say, why don't you get your heart right with God? Is there anything you need to confess to God? Do you have a wrong attitude? And then start. And you may pray that it would be a good thing to be praying on our way into church, even in the morning. Well, is there anything I need to ask for forgiveness from from someone before we even start a, a worship session just to be dealing with sin? Um, one other verse in Matthew, and this is just talking to the, the Pharisees a little bit and correcting their thinking, but I think it can speak to us too, is in Matthew 15. Um, in verse 7, it says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. God looks at the heart behind what we're worshiping. He looks... And um, I wrote that we need to honor God with our hearts when we worship. God's not just concerned about the lyrics we're singing. 
There's plenty of great songs that were written by men that were in the Spirit and writing and worshiping God. But it's fully possible I can be singing them and not worshiping God because my heart is somewhere else. Um, God wants us to have a heart that's close to Him, that's worshiping Him with our actions, that we've dealt with sin like we talked about in the last thing, and then we come worship Him. He wants our heart to be in what we're singing too. I know sometimes I can come to a worship session and I know Christians are worshiping God up here, but I'm thinking about what I'm going to do after church. Do I want to have lunch at Chipotle or Heidi's or what do I need to get done at the house later? What needs to get done before I go to work Monday? My head can be somewhere else or I can just be in pure sin and angry at someone. Or There's plenty of things that be going on, but God wants us to have a heart that's also worshiping along with our words. Um, that our words alone means nothing if our heart's not in it too if it's not giving glory to God we could theoretically have a whole worship service here and sing together and have the whole band up here and have none of our hearts ready God wants each of us whether it's, it's the worship leader up here or it's us singing He wants each of us to be ready to worship to be worshiping with our heart to have our heart engaged with what's being sung and, and believe the truth and be singing it as, as worship to God and God deserves a reverence when we're singing, um, when we're worshiping Him. Um, I think we do it weekly. We can think it's, it's kind of a normal thing to worship every week. But it's a special thing, and we should be reverent in it. I think of, um, you know, if we were to meet, say meet the President of the United States, we'd probably want to take a shower and shave and clean up and put on something nice. We'd be reverent of meeting Him. You know, a lot of times, especially in other cultures, there's customs where if you go into someone's house, you want to say, your house is important, I want to respect it, I'm going to take off my shoes as I come in. Um, It's really, in in some cultures here, it doesn't matter too much unless it's muddy out, but in some cultures, if you walk into someone's house with your shoes on, it's showing that you're not really respecting them um, because you're not honoring their property. Two examples. How much more should we worship God? Should we be reverent that we're in the presence of the living God and give honor to Him? Um, you know, if we're going to dress up to meet the President, we should dress up our hearts to meet with God. Our hearts are ready uh, to really worship Him. Our hearts are engaged uh, with what we're singing. We're ready with truth, and we come ready. I think that's something for all of us. I was convicted just to come to a worship service ready to to really sing. When we're talking about the worship, we're going to look at another verse and look at how they worshiped even. I think can be an encouragement for us. Um, Verse 43 talks about where a lot of the people are worshiping together. It says, On that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. They were giving him a worship that was fitting for who he was, who God was. The next point up here is that God wants us to praise him in a manner fit for the King of Kings. You know, worship him in a way that is fitting for who he is and what he's done. Um, I think this, the verse there 
it's just packed full of a few things to look at. Now the few verses before that talks about how there were the choirs, when all the priests leading um, were singing together and leading in worship. And um, I think there's a few things in here for us as we worship. First thing that stuck out to me is it talked about the people that were getting the worshiping started. It talks about how they were the priests. But the first thing that came to mind is that it was the men that were leading in worship. It's um, the first time I wrote down. They're men led in worship. And men, for us, I think it's easy to sit back and worship. And I'll admit a lot of the times those gals sound pretty good and it's good to hear them around. But as men, we need to lead in worship. We need to sing loud. Um, I thought they're a great example that they're men led in it. Um, and... Uh, they weren't making excuses. They were leading out and singing. And it even says that the women and children joined them. They joined the example of the men were setting in worship. And that's convicting to me just that um, we need to lead out, man, and how we're singing. The next thing about that is that they sing loud. It says the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. Um, they weren't sitting there singing quietly and under their breath and it wasn't a little thing they were singing loud on top of their wall that God had made them and they were worshipping that the, the, the nations around them the people far away maybe their own country far away but outside Jerusalem people could hear them um, they didn't sing quietly they sang loud it's a good thing to sing loud not to I think it's so easy to, to have people on and a speaker up here again to hear Christian singing hear Jeremy singing and, and just kind of want to listen to him and, and sing quiet enough that no one hears if we're off key or don't have as good a voice as someone in the band I don't think they had that attitude they sang loud and worshipped to their God because of what he'd done because of who he was the next thing it talks about is that the women and children joined them um, like we talked about, that means that if the women and children were joining, the men had to be leading in worship. But it doesn't mean the women and children weren't worshiping too. I was encouraged that thought that the children were joining them in their worship. I think that's a that's a good thing. I love at the firehouse that we don't send our kids off until after worship, that your children get to join you with your worship. I love seeing your children sing and start to grow and singing along and a lot of clapping and I see some dance moves in the middle of worship going on from time to time. We got some, we got some good dancers. So children in the firehouse, as they showed at the, the wedding last night, a lot of them were doing a lot of dancing. But their children joined them and um, lots of thought about that. Uh, obviously not a parent now, but even thinking of parenting down the road, I think that's one of the, the ways... I think, man, we can want to sit back and, and kind of take it all in at worship and not be very active. But they were an example to their children and their worship and they were leading in it. And that's something to me, even thinking down the road, is that you know, children are going to look, to look at their dad in the middle of a worship song and say, does he believe this? Is he singing this with his heart or is he just here? And they're going to pick up on that, even if they're children. And I was encouraged that their children and you know their wives were singing along with them and even going off of what the men were leading in uh, that was a strong encouragement to be singing in a way that we're singing out what we believe that we're encouraged about it and singing in a way that um, really passes on what we believe to people around us 
I've thought about my own life in this area, um, just of, of singing. Obviously, I was praying about this this week and looking at it, and some of you know my background as far as it goes to singing. I had one experience in some kind of worship setting when I was in college. I was a part of a gospel choir, and so... I didn't sing very loud when I started and there wasn't a lot of men in the choir because men in general aren't that interested in singing as compared to women. So at one point there was, I remember a few times that I'd show up to our, our practice and there was me and about ten women as far as in the choir and the worship leader, you know, the, the leader of the gospel choir told me, Brad, you need to drown out ten women. And so I learned how to sing loud. And, and God put it in me, if you're going to sing, you sing loud and you stand up. And so I learned how to sing very loud. Maybe I wasn't the best of being on key, but I could drown people out. And so I took this, I took this with me and I would sing loud. And somewhere along the way, uh, we were at a, a worship setting in one of our churches, and it was a, a smaller worship setting. And this is kind of later on after college. And... Um, one of my leaders had corrected me because, and I think it was a good thing, had corrected me because he said, you know, maybe you could work at fitting in with a group a little more because I think I was pretty good at drowning out the worship leader, which probably wasn't a good thing if he wasn't Mike. So I got corrected somewhere along the way, which I think was a good thing because a lot of times my heart might not have been the best. Um, and he later joked with me and said, you know, sometimes I wish I hadn't have corrected you in that. You'd keep singing loud, but um, I think it was good. There was a lot of things to work out in my heart and God worked through that um, and I think from there you know I, I learned to fit into a group a little more and, and sing quieter and not stick out um, but in some ways I want that heart back that I had to sing loud um, God is worthy of our worship you know I think of that that God wants us to praise him in a manner fit for the king of kings I remember after gospel choir practice, my throat hurt. I couldn't talk very well anymore because I would sing loud. And in a lot of ways, I want that back, what I had. Um, not in a way to stick out, not in a way to um, bring attention to myself, but God's certainly worthy of it. He's worthy of us singing loud. He's worthy of us clapping. He's worthy of us kneeling. He's worthy of us raising our hands. Um, I think of some of the excuses we come up with in the middle of worship. You might have said these. I've said these. Some of the excuses I come up with about why I don't want to worship or the today. You know, sometimes I can say I don't. I don't like to sing. I can't sing. I'm not good at singing. An excuse I feel. I don't feel like singing today. I don't like to join the group and sing just because I'm expected to or or what's going on. I don't express my feelings very well. Some guys are the singing type. Maybe for the worship leaders, that's fine. I'm not that kind of guy. Sometimes I thought to myself, you know, singing in public is kind of weird. I like to shut my door and, and do it alone. Um, sometimes I felt, ooh, I brought a friend and I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what they'd think if I'm singing loud. I don't know what they'd think if I'd kneel down or clap or that kind of thing. Um, Sometimes I thought, mm, I don't like the songs. I like a different style of music. I like it to be something a little different. Or um, if I was in the band, I'd do it some other way. I think that can be on my heart sometimes. I don't think God wants our excuses when it comes to worship. 
I think God wants us to come with a heart that's ready for worship. Maybe some of those things connected with you. I think I thought most of those things somewhere along the way. When I should have had a heart worshiping God, I was thinking some of those excuses. Um, I think God wants us to come with a heart that's ready to worship Him. And He wants us to come and sing loud. He wants us to be ready to worship. You know, I think it would encourage our worship leaders if they got up here and they couldn't hear themselves because we were yelling at them. They're not yelling, but we were singing very loud. Let's make them get some monitors up here to hear themselves because we're singing too loud. I think that'd be be a good problem for them. Uh, Sounds good? Jeremy, you like that? (laughs) Could be good. I think... um, I was just convicted to, to keep growing in that, just engaging in worship and growing and, and singing loud and singing with our hearts um, and just being connected with what we're doing. I think God doesn't, God's just growing and I don't think we need to have so many excuses of what we change or how we do it differently or what we want to be different to come to worship but to ready our hearts. Most of the problem is not going to be the band. These guys are great and, and serve their hearts out. Most of the problem is going to be Where's our heart at? Am I ready to come worship? Am I ready to come worship now, today, when we sin? And God was just convicting me to always come ready with a heart that's engaged with what we're doing, with what we're singing, and that it's ready, and that we've dealt with sin. Um, that we're um, that that worship is an overflow of our relationship with God. It's not it's not pretend. We don't want to come here and pretend for a half an hour that we're worshiping God and then go keep on sinning, but that we deal with it, that our relationship is right with God, and then we worship. So there's a few things to chew on from from Nehemiah, and uh, hopefully we can take that into our worship session next week. A lot of it was about that, but I don't know who's leading worship next week. But let's secretly try to encourage them a lot with our singing, that we come ready and sing loud. They don't hear any of this. I don't see either of them, right? So, no. Anyway, I think we can we can bless their socks off and bless God's socks off to to come ready to worship and, and to sing to Him because He certainly is deserving of our worship in a manner that's fitting to Him. So let's pray. God, we thank You for today. We just thank You that You're a God that has blessed this little church. God, we're not an extraordinary people. We don't have any great system of making churches. God, but we've looked to you and we've trusted in you and you've certainly come through for us again and again and and we thank you and I just pray you grow us in our worship and our response back to you. God, help us grow in um, giving you a worship that's fitting. Help us grow in um, coming where we've um, purified ourselves and dealt with sin and help us come in a way and we sing in a manner that's fitting of you. Help us grow in not thinking so much about what will my neighbor think of how loud I'm singing or if I'm on key, but what will my God God think and help us grow in focusing on you and our worship and uh, help us grow as a church God you've blessed us and grown us in singing and worshiping I pray you grow us all the more God um, grow us in, in bringing to you music that's singing that's uh, just honoring to your ears and blesses you help us grow in hearts that bless you because they're given over to you um, God, you've done so much. We just praise you this morning and we ask you to speak to each of our hearts and help us be obedient and grow in this. Amen.
Alright, well thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next week and I think take a break from Nehemiah and talk about Father's Day, but please bring your dads if they're close by. And uh, we might have a little might have a little gift for them if you can get them in the doors. So if you have any close by, it'd be a good opportunity just to invite them to church and we'll have a little message that might be pointed a lot at dads and how we can honor dads. But if you have any close, I encourage you to bring them next week. But thanks for coming.